Hi guys. It's Susie. Do you remember answering the phone like that? Hello. I would say hello. Is it Susie speaking? Because um, we didn't have like call display or anything back then. So you never really knew who was calling or and if I'd call someone else, they'd be like, hello, this is Ashley speaking. I'd be like, hey Ash, it's Susie. And then she'd be like, oh hi. We don't get that anymore. It's like, we already know who's calling and we're just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> anyway, that's not what I was going to talk about. You might be able to hear Chris purring in the background. He's sitting beside me. He's so cute. Um, yeah, so today's Boston Marathon Monday and um, I wanted to just kind of do a little flashback to when I qualified for Boston in 2009. I needed a 340 and back then you could do 340, 59. You had 59 seconds of grace and you always got in if you qualified. You just needed the time, but now it's such a popular race that it's really actually really hard to get in it like you have to like I don't even know like is it five minutes two minutes like you need like kind of a good chunk of time under your qualifying time to actually get into the race because it filled up but back then I ran BMO Vancouver in like 336 or something I didn't have a GPS watch back then I just had Freddie's Lucky Timex, who was like this stretchy camouflage Timex watch. He would have been like, he was born in 2002, so I just did math on my hands. He would have been seven. So yeah, he had this like little watch, and I would wear it for all my races. And then I had like this, I'd print out those paste bands from the computer, and then I'd laminate it with scotch tape. And then I would tape it around my wrist and follow that. And I remember kind of coming around the 20 mile mark knowing that I was I was gonna do it so I was like so excited but then I also know that anything can happen in the marathon so I was very guarded um yeah so it was cool my family my family was all there cheering me along the course and the finish line it was so cool and then um that year was kind of a tough year actually we had already been going through stuff Jason and I and then when we went to Boston in 2010, it was really rough. So I know I've written about it before, but, um, we were just like, we were just so worn down by therapy and just like feeling really disconnected, you know, and just discouraged. So, I mean, we went and it was just the two of us. The kids were babysat and, you know, we enjoyed it and and as much as like, getting some time away from the kids and just having time to like read or I know Jason, Jason doesn't read, but he's, he probably listened to like, I don't know. I guess they didn't even have audiobooks back then. Maybe they did. I think they would have been like DVD audiobooks or something. I don't know. I don't know what Jason did. Jason, what did you do? As if he's actually listening to this. Yeah. He's probably listening to this with his lawyer. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we don't, we're not like that. Um, I'm going to knock on wood right now. Knock, knock. Okay. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so I, I ran the Boston marathon and he, I don't think he left the hotel room that morning or day or whatever. He's like, you know what? I've seen you run enough marathons and right now I don't like you very much. So (laughs) I don't really blame him, but yeah, so that was my Boston experience. And then the next year, my best friend, Laura, um, I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about her. She's not on Instagram or anything. We run together. She's my running buddy. We have a really cool story how we met. It's so weird. Um, 
Okay, I hear Callum calling me. Hold on. Okay, sorry about that. I think I just promised Callum a like a space planets model set. <laughs> I'm like, please just give me a few minutes, and then when I'm finished, if you don't interrupt me, I'll buy you a planet set. And he's like, really? I'm like, oh crap. What did I just do? I just know that tomorrow the teenagers are coming back, so it's going to be loud and the house is going to be full. Although, it would be fun to have them on here. Wouldn't that be enlightening? Anyway, so Laura and I met, um, she actually, we got our race pictures mixed up, which is weird. Like, in um, Vancouver, no, it was the Victoria Marathon in 1998, she got my race pictures and I got hers And it's weird because she recognized my name um, because I guess like they said my name and everything when they emailed her my race pictures. And she's like, Susie Van Dyke, because that was my name back then. I've had so many last names. It's like Jerry Springer. But she's like, I recognize that name because someone had told her there's this girl named Susie Van Dyke in Abbotsford that like she lives the city over that you guys run kind of the same speed and be really good to run together. So she's like, whoa, like of all the people, I think there's probably like 2,000 people that ran the marathon in Victoria that year, and we would get our race pictures mixed up, like what? So crazy. So she came out to our running group um, the next week or whatever, and we ran together, and we were just like, we had the exact same life, like down to a T, like she was going through the same stuff that I was going through, and it was just, it was like absolutely incredible. She's been such a gift to me. So then in 2011, she qualified for, I watched her finish. Uh, she qualified for 2011 Boston by running the BMO Vancouver in 2010. So it was really cool to go there and watch her qualify. She was so excited. And then um, she and her husband at the time were, they booked a trip to Boston for 2011. But their relationship fell apart and her husband was kind enough to give me his ticket, which is absolutely incredible. Like, that's just incredible. So I went with Laura, and we flew over to Boston, and I didn't run it. I watched, and that was an amazing experience. She did great. It was so much fun. Um, lots of stories that I can't tell you about, <laughs> but it was pretty cool. So every year since then, we run together on Boston Marathon Day, and this is the first year that we didn't. We thought about running together on one side of the, like, on the opposite sides of the road, but, like, you can't really talk that way, and just, like, I don't know. And she kind of hurt. She's a bit injured anyways, and it's like, you know what? We're just going to skip it, but um, kind of sad. And it's also 4.20 today, so if anyone else... If you guys know what I'm talking about, I actually don't know the historical significance of April 20th as far as marijuana goes, but it's like marijuana day today or like weed day or whatever. It's legal here. So I mean, I guess it's legal in most places. Um, yeah, so (laughs) I'm trying to like not say too much. (laughs) I'm pretty neutral about it. Um, I remember I smoked weed in high school. It was Halloween. I was probably in grade 11. And we're at my friend John Eddie's house because all the good parties happened over there. And he has, like, acreage. And I remember, 
like, cause I smoked cigarettes back then. Um, so when I smoked this joint, I smoked it like I would a cigarette and that was a very bad idea. I just remember walking through John Eddie's acreage and my feet like weren't touching the ground. Like, it, like it was a weird, really weird experience. And then we went in their house and we sat down and we we're like watching the Simpsons and the Simpsons are funny and everything, but I just like, I was laughing so hard, but hurt. Like it was like one of those uncomfortable laughs and like, I'm laughing and it hurts and I don't want to laugh, but I can't stop. So that's about as much experience I had with weed back then. And then I actually ended up smoking weed again when Jason and I split up. I just kind of crashed and burned a little bit. I had a really difficult time when, like, I was home with the kids. Like, that's what I did. I was a stay-at-home mom. And then when they went with Jason to their summer vacation that they do every year, I was home alone for, like, five days straight. And it totally, completely turned my world upside down. Like, I think, like, every stay-at-home parent would dream of the day that they get alone time or like just be alone in the house and you think you want it and it sounds amazing but when it happens it's like too it's like walking into like a super walmart at like three in the morning it's like okay this is way too much I can't handle it it's just really really hard I'm not excusing anything I'm just saying like i I processed it in in such a way that I smoked weed, like, a lot of it, and over, like, five days, it was just, like, I was a mess. It was, like, a hot mess. Um, and then I remember Andrew was kind of curious about it, so when I met him, we went to a park, and he smoked it, and I was like, oh, my goodness, don't smoke very much, and he's like, no, no, I don't feel anything, it's fine, it's fine, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. So we <laughs> went back to his place and he called, he ordered pizza and he talked to the pizza guy for like, I swear it was like 45 minutes and I don't even know about what. And then only to realize that that particular pizza place didn't deliver to his address. So, and then he spent the next hour and a half at seemed like looking out the front window waiting for the pizza guy to get there so needless to say and I think we went to bed at like 8 30 it was so dumb so like whatever but yeah it was it was difficult just going from a stay-at-home mom with my kids 24 7 to sharing them you know like Jason took them away with his family and the, his family is absolutely amazing. Like I, I am not worried about them being with them at all. It's like I'm very, very fortunate. The family, oh, I just love them. They're great. It was just hard on me. It was just like really hard adjustment. And um, then, at the beginning, our arrangement was that he would take the kids on Friday nights overnight. He he saw them throughout the week, but like Friday night was like the only overnight night and. So, like, every Friday night, I would just be like, (laughs) like, I would save up all my pent-up energy and just, like, Friday night, yeah! (laughs) So, I remember Laura coming over on a Friday night, and because she was going through the same thing that I was, 
which was a blessing and a curse because <laughs> then I had a partner in crime. But we lived in, in this townhouse in Walnut Grove where we could walk to this pub. It's called the Walnut Grove Pub. And it was a seedy little place down the street. It was probably like, how long would it have been? Maybe two miles from my house. So we walked to the pub. So obviously it was safe for walking there. And it, they had like karaoke night that night. And I sang Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. Um, oh, I don't even know how it goes now. Oh, shoot. I can't remember. But anyways, I sang that, and then Laura was, like, crying. She's sitting in this table. Not on the table, but, like, on the chair. On someone's lap, but I just don't tell her I said that. <laughs> but I was singing to her, and she's, like, crying. I love you, Suze. And it was so ridiculous. And then we staggered home it was like two in the morning and we're walking up <laughs> um 88th avenue which is the main drag to get anywhere in walnut grove and we're like we're like arms around each other like oh my goodness i'm so glad that i have you in my life i'm just like absolutely shittered and like <laughs> ended up just like totally swerving into like these cute sculpted bushes in the, in the side of the sidewalk. And like, I had like pieces of bushes in my hair and it was so funny. And I get back to the townhouse and I'm like, shit, Laura, I don't, I don't know where my key is. I don't know where my house key is. And I guess I don't, I can't remember where I put it. Like, I don't know why I didn't have my house key. So I text Jason who lives down the street and it's like two in the morning. And this is fresh off of a divorce. So like we're trying to navigate like being nice to each other at this point and we're not <laughs> not on the friendliest of terms so I'm like hey um because we kept our phones on obviously in case there's an emergency so he's like what I'm like I don't have a house key can I use yours because he has a spare key and he's like oh my <laughs> so we had to walk all the way down to Jason's house to get the key and then walk all the way back up to my place and then we go in there and of course Laura and I we like collapse into a heap and sleep in like that stinky drunk anxiety sweaty drunken mess sleep and then we got up at like six in the morning and ran I don't know 16 miles or something because that's what we do and then we went we went for a coffee after and we were like we are actually really disgusting right now like it was really 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 gross like just sweating out okay I didn't mean to talk about all this anyway so um another karaoke night that actually it was a karaoke day or it was karaoke afternoon I think it was around all the same time but my sister Tracy and I as like, we have this uh, tradition where we would go to Playland all the time. So Playland's, like, um, an amusement park in Vancouver, in the main city area. And she used to take me there as a kid, and it was so fun. So we go there, and the lineups are just so crazy. And she gets this text from her friend, like, hey, are you guys coming? Do you guys want to come sing tonight? And she's like, Susie, do you want to just skip Playland and go sing on Davy Street? So Davy Street is the like LGBTQ street in Vancouver. And there's this um, gay bar called Colors. And so there's like this 
I guess just like kind of a pub area and then there's like a bar area. So the pub area is kind of more low key for during the day and they open up the, the outside wall so that, you know, like all the fresh air comes in, like that summer air and just beautiful and like just interacting with people that walk by. It's just, it's just like really fun environment. She's like, do you want to go sing karaoke? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so Tracy's like, okay, well, I'm going to drink because I'm nervous. I'm like, you know what? I was totally going through therapy and stuff. I mean, you never know it (laughs) by the way I was dealing with things. But I'm like, in that particular moment, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to face my fears and I'm not going to have a single drink. And I'm going to sing a song in a gay bar out onto Davie Street in downtown Vancouver. And I'm going to like full on feel everything. And so I sang Katy Perry's Waking Up in Vegas. And I bet you anything, you guys all have a song that you sing. Andrews is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I don't know, like, whenever he's stressed or whatever, he'll hum Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But mine is Katy Perry's Waking Up in Vegas. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to sing it right now. (laughs) I'll save you. But it was one of the highlights of my life. Like, just... I felt so empowered and so free and just so like, and the thing is, is none of the guys obviously give a shit about me at all. And I looked all fluffy and cute and I'm like singing Katy Perry and dancing around and they're like, oh, one of the hot guys coming on. And I loved it. Like, I love that where it was just like, this is me. Um, and I'm like, just having fun and oh I sound ridiculous right now but it was such a highlight of my life but yeah back then I um I worked like I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time the whole time and then when we split up obviously needed a job so I got a job at the running room I don't know if you guys had the running room in the states I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or not but it's a running store and I loved it and I worked for a lady named Wendy so if Wendy's listening to this Wendy I love you you're amazing and um, it was awesome. And then I changed jobs to Starbucks because it was in Walnut Grove and was closer to my, where I lived. And I loved that too. I met so many amazing people there. I have so many great stories. Oh my goodness. Um, I have a degree from Trinity. It's, um, like, a, I say kinesiology degree, but I think it's a little bit embellished when I say that. It's just a bachelor of arts with a major in kinesiology and a minor in English. I started out with a major in English, but I took Milton, John Milton, and I plagiarized a little bit, and I almost got kicked out of the university for it, so I dropped that as a major, and just, and then I pushed it to a concentration, then I ended up like, no, I'm just going to do a minor, and I actually would have concentrated in religious studies if I took one more upper level course, because I didn't, I actually didn't know that I had that many credits in religious studies, so I love theology, but anyway, it doesn't get you anywhere for a career unless you go to like UBC for a master's in physiotherapy or if you get your teaching degree somewhere and you can teach something. But um, all I could get were jobs at the running room at Starbucks. And then I was lucky enough to get a job at the physio clinic that I went to for years and years and years. And I loved it there. And then when I met Andrew, um, we got pregnant with Callum. So I went on mat leave and then we realized that, you know, like me staying home with Callum and all the kids would be better because he's a realtor or was a realtor back then. And he just makes a lot more money going out to do real estate than 
me going to a physio clinic and working and paying for the kids to go and daycare. So that's what I did. So I literally have been a stay-at-home mom for nearly 20 years. And that is difficult. It's difficult, but it's amazing. Like, I don't, I'm not complaining. It's just, it's awesome. And I feel so privileged and so lucky and so grateful. Like, all of those things. The one thing that it is... What that does make it hard is just trying to find my purpose outside of being a mother and just trying to like carve out an identity a little bit other than like Susie the mom or Susie like you know that kind of thing and I don't really want to say that I'm Susie the runner because I'm not like I don't get paid for it or like Susie the writer because I don't get paid for it like I don't like it's not my job so I had been struggling with that whole thing for a long time and it was, I think I, I've spoken about this before, but, um, it was about a year ago. I think I was in the shower at our previous house. It was a little townhouse. I was in the shower and I was like, all of it, like, I'm just thinking like, what's my purpose? And then it just kind of flooded my head and it's to give hope and, Oh, I know why. Because my therapist, when I wanted to e-transfer him money, he's like, okay, well, oh no, I shouldn't tell you guys this because it's a security answer. <laughs> mm, yeah, I shouldn't tell you. Oh crap, I think I already did. Anyway, so my therapist is a lot about hope and <laughs> great. I'll just send him an email after this. But um, yeah, hope is a big deal for me. And I was like, you know what? in my head, it just got flooded with that, like, hey, Susie, your purpose here is to offer hope, whatever that looks like, like, if I have to work at McDonald's, or, okay, hold on, okay, I guess I better wrap this up soon, I got a text from Katie saying that she's in a Zoom meeting for her dance class, so, I mean, you might be able to hear it in the background, but, like, Callum's like, what's that, what's going on, because it sounds like a party, all the kids have had these zoom classroom meetings and it's actually pretty incredible I can't even like I get so many emails every day from all the kids teachers like I think I tallied it up it was like I don't know 17 emails (laughs) from all the teachers and man they're doing a great job what what a difficult position to be put in to all of a sudden have to teach from a computer. Oh my goodness. And then for the kids too, to just adjust their learning. And some of them are wired for it. Oh, did you like that? That was good. Good job, Susie. But some kids aren't, they're not, they're not able to learn from an online, like it's just hard. So, but yeah, I I respect the teachers, but anyway, so I'll just finish this up pretty quick. Um, I was kind of thinking of having Andrew on here. I put a, a thing out on Instagram last night, like a poll. I was like, should I, should Andrew and I have, do a podcast together? And one option was, hell yeah. And the other one was, girl, you're crazy. And yeah, there were a few people that thought I was crazy. And one woman actually messaged me and she's like, hey, you know, like, I know that you might think this would be a fun idea, but let's, you know, let's think about your livelihood, you know, like your emotional livelihood and just kind of 
make sure that you're creating a space that protects that. I'm like, and I totally get it. I'm just, I think you guys know by now that I'm the type of person to just, like, I'd rather just be all out and, um, like within reason, obviously, but, um, just be really messy and lifey. And because if my purpose here is to offer hope, I want people like, I would be doing you guys a disservice as if I was being fake and then offering hope because people would sniff that out. They'd be like, okay, well, easy for you to offer hope when everything is going perfectly. You know, like, that's lame. But it's difficult to, like, say, okay, well, this is what's happening. We're split up and living in the same house two different floors like holy crap this is hard holy crap um yeah and but like yeah it's hard but so is everything everywhere right now and there are so many people that send me messages and just them telling me their own stories of what their own struggles are and I am not the only one going through this stuff. Like, I know you guys are all struggling in different ways. And it's like, why waste time dancing around the messy stuff? Like, why? What's the point? Especially if my purpose is to offer hope. But anyway, so I'm going to leave you with something. Just a couple posts that I wrote recently. I'm just queuing them up here. Um, one thing I wrote, people are like, oh, Susie, what an awful time to have to go through a separation. And yeah, sure, it sucks. But it sucks the way it sucked when we were kids and we get into an argument with a classmate and our teacher would force us to sit alone in the cloakroom to talk it out. No distractions, just feeling all the feels and lots of hard internal work. Super awkward, shifty eyes, gritting teeth. I actually ended up throwing my friend's gym strip into a random pile of puke in the hallway. But hey, make what you want of it. It's also helpful to know we're going through a lot of the same experiences at the same time. There's a palpable grief in the air. We all feel a loss of connection. There's a feeling of being unsafe. We step off curbs to avoid people, but we're not avoiding who they are. We are avoiding the invisible enemy they might be carrying. We will never go back to where we were before. There was then, this is now, and one day there will be who we are once this passes. And then, I think this is just another little bit of perspective too. I know we all know how important it is to keep perspective, right? When things feel like they're sinking, sometimes we just need some time to pass so we can process what's going on, and as we do, the dust settles, and what matters floats to the surface, and what doesn't settles to the bottom. It's why major world religions aim for enlightenment, or transcendence, or even in some exceptionally exciting religions, euphoria. Key is risen. Flowers grow up and bloom outward. Hope floats. Perspective equals hard work and time. We dig deep down into our roots. Take ownership. 
we push back, flexing our new way of life. Assisted by our ancestors and the work we did prior to this moment, we bounce back up high, above, and all of a sudden we see things a lot clearer than we did five seconds ago. And then one more post that I wrote, which is funny because this post I wrote... (laughs) I've been doing this thing where like I'm trying to write and post something every day. And I didn't have anything this day. It was, I forget, I think it was Saturday. And I was trying to do the Rambling Runner half marathon. And I went out for it. And I had like a goal. And I kind of went out too fast. Like story of my life. And I blew up. And I wrote this post and I was like, oh, this is such a lame post because it's not a good piece of writing. And then it was actually the, like the most popular pose I've written ever and forever, which is weird. But this is what I wrote. I went to race the virtual rambling runner half marathon and I blew up in the 11th mile. I was in the middle of nowhere and had to pivot and something shifted in my mind and I was just like, fuck it. I sat down on the cement ledge and cried. Sometimes crying is winning. And it's like, okay, instead of nattering on, I'm just going to read what I wrote the next day because this is pretty much my thoughts on that post. Sometimes I'll write something and I'll just be like, fuck yeah, and I'll shove the MacBook back in triumph, fist pumping the air like I just signed a contract for $10 billion. I'll thank the gods for allowing me to go through such pain and adversity so that I can help others with my heaven-sent gift of writing, and then I'll get one like. And then other times I'll write something and I'll squish up my face the way I do when I cope with running past a chicken farm. And then I'll just be like, fuck it, and I'll just hit publish anyway. And then everyone gathers around like it's a sacred space. We all meet there in our holy shitness where we offer up stories of our own pain, our own adversity, and all of a sudden it becomes something a lot more than I could ever handle. COVID-19 closed our local tulip farm but a whole new green space is blooming in the least expected real estate. So there you go. Good things are happening despite what's going on. Story of my life, theme of my life, offering hope. Okay, so I listened to what I just recorded and I noticed that I made a huge mistake. I said that I met Laura in 1998 at the Victoria Marathon and I did not. I met her in 2008 in the Victoria Marathon. But I did run Victoria in 1998. That was my first and only marathon that I ran. It took me 10 years to run another marathon. So that's how traumatizing that was. But this is the Amy Winehouse song. I go back to us. Anyway. And then, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Because I'm killing you all. (laughs) Okay, stay, oh yeah, someone on Instagram, dish dash dash, I love her, she's so funny, she's from Ontario, she wrote to me, like a lot of people are writing stay safe, and she wrote stay clean, and I laughed, I laughed so hard, I loved her for saying that, I was like, I love that you said that, because stay safe, it just sounds sexual to me, like, you just want me to (laughs) use birth control, like, I don't know, stay safe, but stay clean, I love that, sounds like, it sounds bleachy. <laughs> okay, I gotta go. <laughs> Have a good night, you guys.